Hello, everybody. I'm Sue Frederick, and today we are having a mystical conversation with the most amazing two people, again, Beth and Rick Olson. We had the previous conversation with them where they described their um, accident that happened 23 years ago, and today they have a huge, amazing gift to share with you. But let's get back to what this is. It's a mystical conversation, the kind where we lose ourselves in the wonders of divine mysteries, mysteries, sacred truths, dreams from the other side, intuitive nudgings, and soul mission yearnings. This is what we're all about in these conversations. We leave the human ego behind and lift above it all and see life from our soul's point of view. I'm Sue Frederick, and I'm the author of several books, including Through a Divine Lens, which absolutely is what this conversation is today, Seeing Life Through a Divine Lens and Bridges to Heaven, True Stories of Loved Ones on the Other Side. I'm a lifelong intuitive, a master numerologist, an ordained unity minister, and a soul regression therapist. I've helped thousands of clients and people like you find their way through this dense realm that we call life. And you can learn more about my work at suefrederick.com. So again, my guest today, you will have already met if you listened to the previous podcast, but I'm going to read their bio again, just in case. In 1999, Beth and Rick Olson experienced a tragedy that no parent should ever have to go through, the loss of their two children, Jessica and Joshua, in a car accident caused by a drunk driver. The immediate aftermath of such a monumental loss proved to be a numbing haze filled with police, family, friends, and media. But it wasn't long before Beth and Rick began receiving messages from their deceased children, assuring them that they weren't actually gone and ultimately proving the existence of life after death. Now, 23 years later, Beth and Rick share what they've learned during their painful journey in order to help all of those who've experienced similar tragedy. Once again, living in a house filled with children's laughter, the Olsons prove that it is not only possible to survive such a devastating blow, but to eventually thrive. They're also the authors of uh we're still here is that correct rick no it's called we never left you we never left you that's their book and it's on amazon we never left you so i'm gonna have rick and beth set the scene here because what happened yesterday is the greatest miracle on earth so set the scene for us um sure when you know as you mentioned it was july 18th of 1999 um we were, it was a Sunday afternoon, we were in a minivan on our way to the mall to look at a few things, and um, we pulled up to a stoplight, and there was uh, a, a police car coming from the other direction, and so we kind of paused and let the police car pass, and then we pulled out into the intersection, you know, I paused again a little bit to make sure everything was clear, we pulled out into the intersection, and 
the next thing I know, somebody's telling me, you know, don't move. You, you've been in an accident. We don't know if you're hurt. And so what really had transpired at that point is when we pulled into the intersection, a drunk driver uh, was driving over 80 miles an hour and went airborne through the intersection and broadsided our minivan. And as a result of that, um, I was unconscious. Beth was unharmed. Um, our seven-year-old son, Josh, was uh, killed instantly, and our nine-year-old daughter died just a few minutes later. Um, and so that began our journey to try and figure out how do we, one, survive, how do we cope, how do we move on? And, you know, that started us on our path to understanding, that started us on our path to um, get in connection with energy work, with spirituality, um, taught us or brought us down the path to both become shamans. And so that was 23 years ago. And, you know, we've had many amazing experiences since then. And we've learned to really listen to spirit and look at those synchronicities that occur. And so um, there's some events leading up to our meeting yesterday that Beth will talk about. Mm -hmm. So the other day, I believe it was early part of December, we received a letter. So um, Mr. Ramish did receive 20 years when he went to jail. He received 20 years in jail and he also was on parole for 20 years. So on this December 3rd, it was a Saturday, I received a letter from the parole officers uh, letting me know that his parole was being changed from Iowa to uh, to Madison. And, you know, I, I read it and I was um, surprised. I guess that was my first thought was because I'm like, oh, he's coming back to the Madison area. I was really surprised by that. So, but then I also was thinking about, well, how am I feeling? Why? Wow, I have no reaction. I have no trigger to this. This is not, you know, in the past we would receive them and I'd always, again, throw them in the trash, maybe rip them up. Um, but this time it's been 23 years and I was really surprised that it didn't throw me for a loop. It just literally put me on, uh, you know what? I want to Google him. I had heard he became a minister and he was living in Iowa. So again, I was like, is he moving back to Madison to um, be a minister here? So I Googled him and I found out he was a minister in Iowa and still to the present day, he was there for, um, for six years. And I was just really taken back by that, that here is something as devastating as what we went through and what he caused, his actions caused. Um, he was now helping people and that he became a minister. That was that was pretty profound. And I could then, you know, watch some of his videos. He's on YouTube. Um, so, again, I was more amazed than anything. So. As I thought about all of the teachings and all of the learnings that we've done and, and everything we've digested and, and thought about in 23 years, um, the word soul contract came up into my mind, spiritual contracts. And we so believe that as you come down here in spirit, you are it, to be in a physical body, you as a spirit, you figure out what you want to do, what do you want to learn when you're down here in an earthly body? And that is what is called a soul contract. So 
all of a sudden I was like thinking of David soul contract. I was like, did we know each other in the spiritual world and that he's part of this soul contract? So all of these things are starting to like, kind of like trigger in my brain. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. He chose to be the one to send Jess and Josh home. They clearly were meant to go home. Old souls. I knew I was going to lose Joshua when he was three years old. I knew he was going to pass at some point. Um, Not that I wanted it, but I just knew it in my heart. And so all of these little trigger things were like popping up in my brain. And I'm like, whoa, he chose to be the one, the bad one to send Jess and Josh home. So then he would go to jail. He'd become a minister. So it was wow, a profound moment, right? Yes. And for you two and the journey you've had in 23 years and how many people you two have helped with your energy work, your healing and your story. So then what happened? Well, so I'm telling Rick this and I'm like, I think it's time, you know, to forgive him so he can help more. I mean, if, if he can, he does have, he doesn't have the right to, to speak about us. We didn't want him to, um, you know, I don't know how was it in the beginning his attorney wanted him to go to AA meetings and talk about us. And, and we were just like, no, 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 you're, right. you're not allowed to speak about us. So he has this in the orders and stuff. So I said, well, maybe we need to meet with him, forgive him. Think about the, the pain in his heart and forgive him so that maybe he could even then help more people. So that's oh, yeah. how this whole process started. You are so beautiful. And so are you, Rick. I have chills everywhere. So take us to yesterday. <laughs> All right. So it, then what I did was I did the pro- the proper process. I contacted the, the on the letter, there was the number, phone number and a, a parole officer. And as I'm speaking, oh, didn't get to speak to him. So I spoke to somebody else. He, he did an email to him, to the, the other parole officer. Never heard anything after a week. Then I called another parole officer and he's like, oh, I will reach out to this person. So now two weeks later, nothing, nothing. And I'm like, baloney. I Googled David again, found his uh, phone number for the the parish and we called him. We literally called David. And the first time he didn't pick up. And, but there was a, like a number, a phone number for us to leave him a message. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't get that. So we called again and he picked up because he saw our names. He saw Beth Olson. So he picked up. (sighs) So we talked, you know, and we decided to set up a meeting and we didn't quite tell him why, you know, we felt like it would be better in person to give him forgiveness but I did mention to him I said David we have no hatred in our hearts for you just know that and um so then he was obviously emotionally upset and not in a bad way but just the shock of us calling he just couldn't imagine that we would ever want to reach out and talk to him so he was just flabbergasted and very emotional was he Uh, crying during the phone call yes he was yeah and so, how did that make you all feel? I think, you know, in some ways it was, I still was a little numb that I was talking to him, um, but yet it. It kind it of was, reinforced the idea that we yeah. really needed to talk to him because, 
you know, everybody thinks about your own pain and what you're going through and all of that. But, you know, if you shift your perception a little bit and think of things from him, the weight of what he had been carrying and the impact that it had on him right. really began to become clear to us that that's definitely why we needed to talk to him. Because if we could help him with that process, it would make him moving forward more effective to help others as well. Beautiful, beautiful. So then what happened? <laughs> so we, it was odd. We, you know, we were like, okay, let's just text each other, text the dates, you know, so it was very odd always seeing his name come up, but you know, it, it was, it was what it was. So we set up uh, to meet on December 28th um, at 1230 at his parish. That's in Iowa. So it was a three and a half hour drive for us. Um, and so it was a beautiful day, actually 50 degrees. And so we drove there and, um, when we got there, we walked in and it was David and his new wife of, they've been married for eight years Mm -hmm. and his parole officer was there. Wow. Yeah. He was obviously, unsure he was very you know emotional you could see it in his energy you could see it in his body um you know the wife was there they all were they were unsure unsure of what our intention was Right. right and so we just sat down and began to you know talk to him and let him know a little bit about who we are and where we've been and what has happened and you know best did a really good job of talking about all that and then we you know it was interesting because we finally got to hear a little bit about the impact that it had on him. And, mm-hmm. you know, what he said was he, you know, when he was in, he was in prison for 13, 14 mm-hmm. years, and then his, you know, lengthy parole started. But he said it was, he felt so powerless being in prison because he knew he had caused damage to not only his own family, but to us as well. But he was felt so powerless to be able to do anything about it. And because he was restricted from reaching out to us, he didn't know where we were. He had no idea if, you know, we had, our family had fallen apart or we, if well, he we destroyed done, us, if he destroyed us. He really us. was afraid of that. Yeah. And right. that to, you know, be a big burden for him. And it's interesting because he let us know that, you know, he, you know, he's a minister. And one of the things he does during the process uh, when he gives sermons, there's, there's always a brief period of, of, of silence where you give prayers to um, those that you need to. So he says every Sunday um, I give a prayer to my, you know, my girls and my family. And he says, and then I pray for your two children and for the two of you as well, because he had no idea what it was, where it was. So beautiful. So what started his desire to be a minister? Did he talk about that? Like when that began to happen in prison, after prison? During when he was in prison, because during the process he was in prison, you know, he was in AA, he, he read, you know, he, he became more, um, he was looking for answers, looking for reasons, and that led him back to the Bible, and he became more involved in that. He got a doctorate in philosophy while he was in prison, um, you know, because he had, somewhere along the way in prison, he felt the calling to be a minister, and so he knew that was the path he wanted to be on, so he began that process, and 
Um, you know, when he got out of prison, he went through the process of becoming ordained, you know, and everything else. And he, um, that led him along that path. And so the effect we you could you could see and sense the effect on him when we let him know who we were where we're at um he said he could never have imagined that it would have led us to this point and you know this type of a spiritual journey and how what impact we've had and you could literally see the effect it had on him and and his wife as well and what was interesting was the um parole officer said because I asked him I was curious why he was there and he said I you know I've been a parole officer for 19 years he said I've never had a request like this so I had no idea what was going to happen or what it was going to be like you know with a, a, a crime of this magnitude you know the impact of this magnitude and so he said he's never seen anything like this he said it's it's you know for him he said it, you know it was beautiful um and he is uh, a little bit spiritual as well. We talked about that, some of the things he's experienced. So um. it was it was interesting because um, I just went in there and I just started sharing with my heart. I didn't know what to say, but I knew it, the the tension in the room was, you know, just not high, but just nerves. And so right. I just wanted to share with them where we've been. I wanted to share with them that we had three more children and that they're amazing. Um, you know, and so in sharing that, I also, you know, with this journey, you know, I have a superpower. I dream dead people come in my dreams and tell me things. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, so with that, you, you know, you always have to know you may get a little look of, okay, they're really crazy, you know, but <laughs> at this point, I'm, I'm so done with people. I don't care if you think I'm crazy because this is our life and it's crazy, but it's crazy good. It's crazy wonderful. It's crazy yeah. wonderful. And as I was sharing, you know, I, I dream of dead people and that's my superpower. Then the parole officer is like, um, so do I. <laughs> like, oh, wow. That's great. How do you get a parole officer that also is, you know, dreams of dead people? So um, it was lovely. I mean, it really was. I, I just wanted to share that we are such at peace with our lives because, you know, you, you can't replace Jess and Josh. And, and, and that's not what the three children, having three more children are. But right. with having three more kids, I had spirit in my dreams telling me it's time to have another child. It's time to get the chemical out of your body. Yes. So I always just listen to my dreams and my inner knowing. My inner knowing knew we needed to reach out to David and yeah. to forgive him. And so I trust that. Also, always. Never doubt it. Yeah. I mean, I do doubt it. I do I doubt myself just like anybody because we're, yeah. we're in this physical body, yeah. right? But so if something really just keeps nudging me and nudging me, I go for yeah. it. So it was really, that well, was Let me fun. just say, Beth, that you are such an example of someone um, not just surviving devastation, but someone taking that pain and using it to be the best self that you could possibly be and to then help so many other people. And I know that in numerology, you're on what's called the one path. And so the whole journey of this life has been about moving from self-doubt, afraid to speak your truth, to saying, 
my life is crazy wonderful. Dead people talk to me and I have no anger in my heart for the man who killed my children. That is a visionary path, Beth, and we all honor you for that. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it is such a beautiful path. It's it starts it started off beautiful, then got awful, terrible. And now it's just amazing and lovely. And when you look at the reality of my Gabriel, Ben and Grace and who they are and what they're doing on this earth, it's like, they're supposed to be here. So I never, I said to David, I'm never going to be grateful for that accident, but I'm grateful for what it has taught me and where it has brought me. So I'm like, I clearly could have had five children, but would we be this evolved? And no, uh, definitely not. So, but I will never say I'm grateful for that accident. Totally understand. And when you guys were with him yesterday, which is so amazing because it was yesterday, there were some signs and miracles. Do you want to talk about that? (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, we can, but you're going to need to set the stage about what, so we got to set the stage again. Okay, so go ahead. Right, we go back to the chicken in the basket from yep. the beginning. Yep. Okay, so our our story, we're going to go way back 23 years ago. And the weekend that the children passed, I was not with the kids. I was at an American Girl sale. And that is... Um, it's in Middleton, but the sale was in Madison. So I was with girlfriends. We were going to do this shopping. Um, these are um, dolls that girls adore. They're um, they're by years. Some are, um, they have names, Kirsten, Josefina. Uh, some you are getting it for Jessica for Christmas. Correct. And so um, during that weekend, I just bought a ton of items. And so um, Rick was with home with the kids. But as we got home, um, Jessica was hiding, just closing her eyes. She didn't want to see the gifts for her because uh, her birthday was coming up. And then Joshua was helping me bring all the items inside. And as we got them inside, I was then making piles on my bed. And I was putting things, you know, some for my cause or excuse me, my nieces. So I had piles for them. And I also had piles for uh, Jessica. And I got to this little chicken in a basket. No. Nope. This little chicken in the basket. And I held it up in my hand. There it is. Can you see it on your screen? Yes. Yeah, so if you guys are watching the YouTube video, you can now see the chicken in the basket that Beth brought home for Jessica the day before the children crossed. And go ahead, Beth. Share. Okay. So I held it up in my hand and I said, you know, Joshua, I bought this for your cousin, Amanda, but I, it goes with Jessica's favorite doll, Josefina. Do you think Jessica would like the chicken in the basket? And he said, yes, I think she would. So I put it in Jessica's pile and we jumped in the car Hour later, the kids are gone. They're they're past. And then that was Sunday. And on Thursday, we went to a uh, my friend in West Bend. She's a medium, and she saw us right before the funeral. And we sat and we talked for a good hour. And then we got up to leave. But then she says, "Wait, wait, the kids are here." So Rick and I we sat back down. Mm-hmm. And then she starts looking up into the the upper left side of the room like she was listening to something. And she asked me, she goes, did Jessica love fried chicken? And I'm like, I've never made fried chicken. Clearly never made fried chicken. And then she said, well, she goes, yeah, 
Jessica wants the chicken in the basket. So I couldn't remember in the beginning what it was. Remember, this is Thursday. Yeah, and I, I mean, you were Sunday. still in shock. You know. Still in shock. Yeah. But she, then we were like, okay, is it a chicken in the biscuit cracker? I'm like, I never bought chicken in a biscuit cracker. So um, she kept just saying she wants the chicken in the basket. And then it dawned on me. And then I was like, holy cow, is that a sign? And I had to tell Rick and Kathy, and we just bawled. We just cried, you know? And so that was after we left that day with Kathy, we actually ate for the first time, wow. you know, and, we, and then we talked about it. We were like, we were going to keep it to ourselves. Yeah. But then as we got to the funeral, then we showed, we noticed how devastating everybody was. Two kids, perfect family, two kids in a coffin. So we started sharing the chicken in the basket story wow. and it started helping them. I mean, it just, it's not like it takes the pain away, but you know, in 1999, not a lot of people were spiritual. Right. Um, they were like a lot, a lot of people thought our kids were in the ground. They were dead. And right. so, so to, this was hope. This was light. This was our kids are not completely gone. They are just out of their physical body. So Ooh, so that was our first uh, thought about the chicken in the basket. And we knew we were going to have to write a book someday. Right. Yes. Knew it to tell the world there's this is proof there's life after death. It was yeah. no, there was not a doll. She wants the doll. She wants the ball. It's, you know, it was a chicken in the basket. Right. right. Which is such an unusual uh idiom it's such an unusual idiom you know chicken in the basket like it's not a phrase that you hear in everyday life <laughs> well, she also never saw it before she passed right that's the other thing she never saw it she never even knew that we had it and so. as we know because we're spiritually invested in all of this the once the minute you leave your body and you go to spirit you can see and know everything everywhere so now right. she knew what all of her gifts were. <laughs> right. And she wanted it. Right. <laughs> that was crazy. And so yeah. Beth has, since that time, Beth has, um, the chicken in the basket has taken on a lot of meaning for, for, us. for us. And so she has gone and. <laughs> so look at your screen. This is how many chickens in the basket are in there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're oh not, my gosh. They're not all there either. So oh my uh, gosh. So she has done this and this is I don't know. They just call to me. I just, you know, I, I also have here's you know, I still have the original. The original, yes. Six of these. Yeah. So um, I, I do collect them and yes. give them to me as gifts. Yeah. Ooh, it's so, so cool. Now we've set the stage. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, whew, okay. So we were talking with David and his wife and um, the parole officer for about an hour. Again, about an hour. And we get up to leave and we're actually hugging. You know, we were, um, oh. it was interesting. You know, that was, I was happy that we, felt comfortable to yeah, hug. Yeah. And um just before we are leaving, David says, I want to show you my Bibles I used in prison and I wore them out. He goes, I didn't even know I could wear a Bible out. I wore two Bibles out. So he shows us on his shelf. And here is what we saw. Look on top I, of I hope the viewers are watching the YouTube vi video of this because on top of three Bibles is no, 
Oh, two, two Bibles. Bibles. And his AA book. And the AA book is a, a ceramic chicken in the basket, identical to what Beth has been collecting. Mm-hmm. It's a mind-blowing photograph. So yes. what did that mean to you guys when you saw that? I, I I I still have chills from it. I'm still on an emotional high from it because that is the ultimate sign. We all, when our kids pass, we look for signs right. and for ultimate proof. You know, and people can say that's a coincidence. There is no coincidence. Oh, honey, that is not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Why would a man, a minister who knew nothing about your journey have put that or found that. So why don't you also told me the story earlier that, that it was a joke with him and his wife. You want to explain that? So, you know, we got all giddy right away and I was like, Oh my God, I have to take a picture of this. And, and we were like, this is such a sign. I said, welcome to our world. This is how we've led our life for 23 years. We get a sign, we get a, an inkling, we get a knowing and we follow it. And we just keep going. And it's almost like a little nugget, a little cookie or whatever. But um, his wife said, well, I bought it for him as a joke. We, <laughs> we, we go into antique stores and I just thought it was cute. And I thought it was funny. And I put it up on top of there. And she said, at one point, I even said, why is it still up there? I bought it for a joke for you. You can take it down. And he said, I kind of like it there. Wow. So it was there today for you or yesterday Yesterday. for you to to walk in the room and instantly know that Jessica and Joshua had orchestrated this whole thing. (laughs) Yes. And and honestly, I think it's for the world again. I think it's not just for us. It's so above and beyond anything. I I can't make this up. It's so beyond us. (laughs) It's It's and then I took the picture and I said, just so you know, this is going to be in our next book. Yes. And yeah. And he's like, Do you want to take a picture of the four of us? And I said, No, I we don't need that. We need this. We, you know, I always say people need to forgive. Uh my sister can't forgive her her ex-husband for things 12 years ago. And I'm like, okay, that's an ex-husband. Forgive. And so, and I'm not saying every person who has lost a child and somebody has killed them you it's not like forgiveness comes right away this is something this is a process this is years this is 23 years for us and and we never hated david we we just always knew our kids had to go home to put us in this position to help others but yet this is such an aha moment this is going to help so many more people this is going this is this is ultimate proof again that they're constantly working right next to us, with us, mm-hmm. showing us the way, and we keep going. And I want to I want to say that um, in my studies, I believe that when we leave the body and have a soul review, what we're shown is kind of the backstory of all of the players that have been in our life. So that, for example, if you had an abusive husband or somebody, you suddenly see their entire backstory and all their pain that led them to behave that way. And so you feel ultimate compassion and forgiveness for everybody who's ever wounded you in your life. But you, Beth and Rick, have been able to have a soul review while you're still here in your bodies. 
was learning about his backstory helpful to you all? Did he share that? Like how he got to the place that where he was a drunk driver who killed your children? Yeah, we had known about that from going through the the trial, the sentencing and trial and all of that. So we knew about that. And, um, you know, I understand why it happened. It was more of one of those things that was an uh, isolated incident that drove him to do what he did. But, you know, to me, what's more impactful is the the burden he's been carrying for so long since then and then us being in a position to help him release that but then this whole idea of the chicken in the basket being on his bibles and you know then completing this whole circle of he was supposed to be there he was supposed to do that and by him being there and supposed to do that he is now in a position also to help all of these other people. And he uses his experiences from prison and from, you know, what he's been carrying to help people and to guide them. Yeah. And it just, you know, we always believe that, you know, things happen for a reason. Yeah. And now we even have more proof from the chicken in the basket being on top of his Bibles <laughs> that <Yeah>. it <laughs> just closes the loop on all of that. Yeah. When you came home yesterday, did you get to share all of this with your children, your grown children, and what was their reaction to it? We sure did. Actually, we made phone calls, um, you know, because we couldn't contain ourselves in the car. <laughs> I mean, we got in the car afterwards, and I'm like, my mouth is still down on the ground here because it was. In, I was in shock because. I knew we wanted to do it for him, but yet look at how Spirit gave us the present of. Like, we're still with you. You were supposed to go there. Good thing you have it like a dog with a bone. You like you knew you needed to say David. And it, it just was so inspiring. And my our kids were so inspired by it. Gracie and I, we still talked about it this morning because I'm still like on a spiritual, you know, energy high. Um, I should probably get a vacuum out and clean a little bit. My house going to be cleaning but um so we'll see where it goes i i already was writing down ideas for the next book yeah because yeah well you know, this you next I book you know this whole forgiveness piece of it is so important for the world to understand and i'm also just thinking about your three uh grown children and the soul agreement they have in all of this to be a part of this story and what they will do with their lives moving forward, you know, eventually, even if right now they're just trying to have ordinary lives, you know, they're in your soul posse and there will be a time in the future where they may be ministers and healers and 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 use all of this story to help so many other people, especially people lost in anger and blame because they grew up with parents who so beautifully showed them that anger and blame is toxic guilt is toxic and there's always another way to view the story and you two have sought that mystical view from the moment it happened and what a beautiful lesson for your children to have and to carry out into the world 
Yeah, yeah most yeah. definitely. And that's what our hope is for our next book, too, is that it continues on. You know, many people have said, I want the next chapter. I want to hear what else has happened. And, you know, it, it's like, well, this is a great way to, you know, for the ending of the book, but it will be the years that we've um you know, gone through mm-hmm. with the kids and, and a lot of my dreams that right. my inspiration so that the, as we, as I listen to spirit, um, so that, because once you put that out there, it was amazing. Even the first book that I had a few of my dreams in it, people reached out to me and they said how they dream of spirit and it's never talked about, yeah. uh, that this is actually a visitation and things. So I, yeah. I, Really think I believe in that 100%. I've had those dreams all my life. I mean, my husband, Paul, came back to me in a dream vision the night he crossed, you know. So I've been learning about this, you know, all the spirits. I, I consider going to sleep as a beautiful experience of connecting to spirit and leaving the earth world behind. And so once you embrace that possibility, you know, it even opens you to remember it. I think everyone on earth can do that if they allow themselves to remember it and be open to it. Most definitely. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, I'm getting this idea that's crazy, (laughs) but I always believe in crazy ideas that, you know, what if there was a nonprofit organization facilitated by you two that creates these forgiveness meetings between a perpetrator and the victim, so to speak, and helps initiate these forgiveness conversations? Because as you guys make so clear, it's not just him that you helped, but you brought that light, that 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 lighter energy of having no forgive no nothing to forgive left in your hearts back to the world and then to your children and then to the community and imagine if that ripple effect could really heal and help so many people in the world i'm putting you guys to work here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost definitely you know as we were in the car i was even thinking i'm like okay that picture that chicken on the bibles and his aa book i said is going to be on like this slideshow as we're speaking on stages i can see it's already because it is such a huge gift you know, to us, it was literally set there by our children, you know, and then for him to, we would have seen it if he didn't say, I have to show you this. I really want to show you this. Or I think our, even our kids might've been like whispering, show show the book, show the books, because he did not know the chicken in the basket had any significant meaning to us at all. Yeah. And again, I'm still shocked that out of all the things in the world that could have been on top of his books was a chicken in the basket. Yeah. And, you know, we don't, once you start studying spirituality and metaphysics, you realize there are no coincidences on earth, not whatsoever. And you, you know, you work with that awareness that everything is guided by spirit, even if we can't understand it in the moment, right? And that becomes an illuminating path for our lives, especially when we're in the darkest moments of pain and grief. And right now in the world, there are so many people in the darkest moments of their life going through terrible grief, terrible pain and sorrow. And to hear from you all that 
none of this is random and tragic. Someday you will understand kind of the higher purpose of this. So keep breathing, keep taking a step, keep trying. That's all you have to do. And sometimes that means simply just try to get out of bed, you know, and then from there on, just keep trying to say yes to whatever comes your way, whatever learning possibilities show up in your life. And the more we can say yes to that, the more it helps us become Beth and Rick Olson, the people who can look at the most tragic incidents as as gifts and blessings for growth from spirit. And gifts. Gifts. Is there anything else you guys want to share? You're so amazing. I just love you both so much. Well, thank you for even wanting to do this. You were the ones, you know, you and we were discussing it even beforehand, like what our title of our book is going to be. Yes. <laughs> you know, you have to write this book and you have to do YouTube videos about all of this. I mean, it's just so important for the world to understand this, especially the world of today that gets so lost in blame and anger and I'm right, you're wrong conversations. Yet the other flip side of that is because the world is stuck in that right now, you all are on purpose. You're needed. Your story is so needed. So, So all right. Well, you've absolutely made my day and I love you both so much. And I look forward to seeing you you again. Uh, And Jen, to to give a shout out to helpingparentsheal.org. If anyone here is grieving a child, please visit the amazing website, helpingparentsheal.org, because that's where I met uh, Beth and Rick. They spoke at the Helping Parents Heal Conference, and I believe it's one of the most um, inspired healing platforms that exist in our world today. And Beth and Rick, you all are rock stars, and you are showing us that we never die, spirit never dies, consciousness continues forever. And the purpose of our journey is love, compassion, forgiveness, and wisdom. And you all are examples of that. So for more information about them, go to Rick, say it. We never left you.com. And suefrederick.com. And we are so honored to have had the listeners experience this with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you Sue. Love you too.